So we're not even going to do an introduction or a monologue or a clip or anything like that. We're just going to get straight into it. This is a Nickish podcast episode number 13. This is going to be uncensored, unedited, uncut. And we're here to talk about the Chris Stas Porzingis trade that happened a few days ago. But before we go on, we'd like to ask you to take a quick moment and just hit that subscribe button for us. Every subscribe button, every subscription from you guys as listeners counts and really helps us out. So... Take a quick second and just hit that subscribe button. Yep, we're going to do this shit a cappella. So let's get it started then. So some fucking news happened. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're aware, our listeners. You don't really want to, Mo, I mean, you want to fill them in? <laughs> well, last Thursday, uh, the Knicks foundational piece, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, uh, the highest picked New York Knicks player that was picked yeah this is this is gonna be on cut we're, we're we're just gonna keep it going he he was drafted in 2015 he was our highest pick since patrick ewing in 1985 he was supposed to be our star player and foundational player moving forward he was traded um to the dallas mavericks for uh several other players along with tim hardaway from the knicks courtney lee of the knicks um and trey burke and in return the knicks received dennis smith jr uh who is 20 years old and two expiring contracts in DeAndre Jordan and uh, Wesley Matthews, as well as two first-round picks. So the the biggest point here was that the Knicks star player was traded, and it seemingly happened out of nowhere. Yeah, so I could take that off from you, but basically, I mean, for background, I mean, you want to tell them where each of us were when it happened? I mean, I could go first. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, where were you? Where where were you when you uh, found out this news? We're always gonna remember where we were when we found out that Chris Stasburzingas so, was traded so, for the Knicks. So he got traded Thursday, right? So that that weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I had planned long planned a trip to uh, New Orleans. Ironically, um, a week after uh, we talked about it, uh, getting uh, that dude, that uh, that dude, the unibrow from from New Orleans to the Knicks, and uh, so uh, we land. I'm on the runway, turn the phone off of airplane mode. And I just get hit with mad notifications. Christophe Porzingis, KP, met with the Knicks brass, told him he wants out. Um, Woj says uh, he had a preferred list of teams. You know what I mean? Yada, yada, yada. He's trying to get out. He don't fuck with the vision. Um, but apparently, he's this is how he's been feeling. He doesn't like where the team was headed, and he made it clear that he wants out. So we get off the plane, grab our luggage. Now, fucking damn it, we... Our shit didn't, wasn't on the fucking uh, baggage claim, bro. So we had to yeah. go to the fucking office to get it. So I'm stressed. I'm like, all right. Motherfucker, I thought I lost my shit. You know what I mean? Our franchise player is being, is, is like, seems fed up with us. We grab our shit. I shit you not. Got the bags. Walk out the, the airport. About to go to the area to get a taxi to the hotel. I take two steps. Phone gets a notification. Multiple notifications. Christoph Brazil has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. I stopped in place. I looked at the heavens. I just, 
<laughs> I just walked about 20 feet. Mind you, I'm with my girlfriend, my girl. I just walked 20 feet away from here. She's like in utter silence. I look at my phone. I walk back, show her the phone. And then she's like, oh, my God. And I'm just like, uh-huh. And I just walk back in the, uh, the other direction again. Literally in a daze, bro. This is like, this is one of those moments you don't forget where you are as a Knicks fan. And just, goddamn, the emotion in that moment is just, just you know what I mean? Because for what? It's been, what, a year? Two years where we've been uh, we've been a uh, privy to the fact that KP is just not on the same page as the Knicks. It goes back to the Phil Jackson uh, debacle, and it all just culminated all in one fell swoop within the hour of that meeting being known and it getting leaked, and the reporters saying how like they don't like KP is like pretty much out of there or like wants to be out of there, and how there's a whole list of teams. It was like Spurs, Clippers, Miami, I think, right? I mean, yeah, fucking San Antonio. Not Dallas, mind you. Boom, he goes straight to the Mavs. And what do you what do you do when you see the news? Like you fucking rush to Twitter and find try to find the fuck out what the fuck is happening. And all I see is just Knicks fans and Knicks writers and Knicks reporters just completely in disarray, dog. And I'm telling you, this is probably one of those moments you'll never forget as a fan, or any of us will ever forget as a fan. But shit, man. I mean, where were you? <laughs> where were you when the when the shit when this bombshell dropped? <laughs> Uh, I kind of wish I went first now because <clears throat> my story isn't as, you know, as crazy as yours. I was still, you know, local. Um, I was at the doctor's uh, office. Um, oh, you was at the doctor's office? I was or at... were, were, you, were you playing doctor, huh? I was, huh? <laughs> I was at the doctor's office. <laughs> uh, but no, I was, I was in the waiting room when I saw the, the Christos Porzingis uh, message um, about him being unhappy with the Knicks. And pos- he, it didn't, it, he was just disgruntled. He just wasn't happy. And I saw that they were looking into possible trades with other teams. And then I was just like, all right, whatever. Because we, we kind of heard this story a few years ago uh, with Phil Jackson because we saw trade rumors. And we were going crazy then because Phil Jackson wanted to possibly trade Chris Stapps to, to Phoenix for their number four pick, which turned out to be Josh Jackson. Thank God they didn't do that, by the way. <clears throat> but Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender, mind you, who... I think the Phoenix Suns turned down their option on him his in his last year, and yeah, he was he's, literally drafted in 2016. He's the broke, broke boy version of KP. Barely now that. Now the Zen master, the Zen master, the guru wanted to do for KP last year. But uh, not to cut you off, but yeah, that's fuck. Yeah, man. so <laughs> I saw that, but I didn't want to think too much of it because you know I'm I, I'm waiting to get some shots from the doctor. Uh, I'm not too fond of those, and then. I'm in the room to get those shots, and I get one, and then my phone keeps buzzing. And at that time, my phone's not in my hand because I'm getting shot, and it keeps shot, it, huh? it keeps it keeps buzzing nonstop. And then I look at it, and I see your messages. You're you're blowing up my phone. Other people are blowing up my phone. Twitter's going crazy, and so is Bleacher Report, and it says uh, Chris Stas Porzingis to the Mavs. And I read on I, at that point, is utter disbelief just because we've been talking about Porzingis for literally years. Every episode, we we hype him up just because he's that seven foot three, uh, star in the making and potential superstar. And he 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 was my favorite player in the NBA. And just to see him go away from the Knicks team and it's just so many questions. And it's like we knew we had to get rid of Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee, but I didn't know we would have to sacrifice our best player to do it. So I was in disbelief. Doctors like what you know what, what's up? And I was just like, oh no, some some basketball related thing. Our top player and. You know, he, 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 she didn't really understand what it was. So, 
Yeah. I just had my head on my head in my hand, and I was, you know, just trying to process what it was, and I was upset. I was very, very upset. I was messaging you back. I was taking calls from other people, uh, just to just to figure out, you know, what the hell is going on, why they would do that. Um, now, what what's gonna happen is that Luka Doncic. And Kristaps Porzingis are just gonna light it up every day as a duo, and whenever they come to MSG, they're just gonna just gonna destroy us every time. So that that was my initial reaction. It was just like it just felt. It, I just felt very betrayed by by the Knicks management. You know that shit felt cruel, bro. Do you it, remember before like last year or like for a year or two, we were talking about Luca. We were still in tank. We were doing a half ass tank last year we had the hope we get we unite luca and kp yeah and like yeah we're gonna see that duo now just they'll be playing for the fucking dallas mavericks yeah we were watching them play against each other in the euro league in 2016 or 17 i believe it was 2017 and we were we were, we were hell excited and we we're just like oh if we tank enough if we lose enough games this guy is our guy and we ended up not getting him um we we got kevin knox who's who's awesome too but it was it just it just really sucked. Uh, I was signed Chris Asperzinga's jersey. I was hoping it'd be worth a lot when he became a Hall of Famer with his retired jersey mm-hmm. and MSG, and now it's probably worth a few bucks. Uh, shit, man, Bro, that was it's two months ago. I bought one of those NBA Jam cartoon T-shirts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like the two players for from whatever that team. So it's Frankie and like KP on it. Now like half that shirt is worthless to me now. Like. <laughs> Now, okay, so <clears throat> I feel like I feel like you and I, as as Knicks fans, local Knicks fans, we're not analysts. Again, we're not experts. We're barely podcasters. We, I feel like we need to explain to two different groups of people once again why it's such a big deal that Kristaps was traded and why it hurt us so much, and two, why it's a big deal that Kristaps was traded because some people say, oh, players are traded all the time. What's what? Why is it? Why does it hurt so much for Knicks fans everywhere that Kristaps was traded? Um, so well, I think what, it just got to start like, like not to just completely yeah, yeah. cut you off right now, but it's just like it's got to start with like KP, the player itself. Mm-hmm. He, a player as young, as good as he is. I mean, there's a reason why we were so confident that if we wanted to do a nuclear kind of offer, like a Godfather offer to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis, we were so confident in KP being part of that offer because we were so confident in his potential. You right. know what I mean? And that potential comes from the fact that. In the modern NBA, in this game, he's a he's a big man, an athletic big man that's agile, that's quick, that is a, a pure shooter that could protect the rim at an elite level. He's shown that it's documented in his first four years of his career when he's available to play that he's an elite rim protector. He's a, a beast on the pick and roll. He's showed just was a year ago the season where he cut where he uh tore his ACL he started off blazing hot I think averaging like 30 points per game yeah like a 61 true shooting percentage which is probably like the most efficient way to like gauge how like good of a scorer and shooter a player is and that's an elite mark because for background like a 55 percent true shooting percentage is about average and he was well above that and he was just cooking bro and this is and he, there's a reason he was called a unicorn because like there's big men like this like now we're seeing a little bit more, but he was almost like the prototype for it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a rim protector that could shoot the three, that could score, and can like has shown like when it, if he were to all put it all together with health, like you know, obviously being a factor, but if he put it all together, he would be like the one A or one number one option on a title contending team. That's the potential we saw as him, and to us, like long suffering Knicks fans that have been dying for this kind of like 
just potential, just like future and hope. We haven't had a dude like this since the franchise drafted Patrick Ewing, a homegrown dude like this, where you could, you know, look at him, you squint a little, just you squint a little bit, you could see a bright future. I yep. mean, we were, we were, he was probably the main reason why going to this summer, we were so confident we could make splashes because players want to play with great players. And I mean, health permitting KP showing himself to be a great player. And I mean, shit, man, like to, like to Knicks fans, like every year, you know, we get a young player and it's always just like, all right, we got a lot of high hopes for him. And so I'm not, not us personally, but you know, Knicks fans have, have a, a tendency to have outside expectations for whatever young player we get. But with KP, it was like the real deal. Like the emotion attached to him. First, obviously, neither of us were really happy when we picked him. You know, we all had our preferences in the 2015 draft, and like Emmett, and the Knicks fans himself at the draft made it known how they felt about the pick. But he got booed out the building, right? Mm-hmm. And then once, and then like, what was the what was the mark on him? Like, oh, he would be a project. It would take a year or two for him to contribute, right? Nah, kid came in first rookie year with Coach Derek Fisher, looking like like the steal of the draft. Like, as in, like, the second-best player in that draft that already had a generational big-man prospect in uh, Carl Anthony Towns. You know what I mean? Like, it, w- it was out of the blue, and that's why Knicks fans fell in love with him because our expectations were so low. And then he just blew it completely out the water, and we're like, holy shit, this is rare. Big men are not supposed to do this. You know what I mean? And in the NBA, size matters above all. Like, we're seeing it now where, like, guards are obviously – and playmakers are obviously important, but you need elite – type big man to contend and we had that piece you know and we thought we we would have them for a while but that's part of it you know what i mean and like i feel like you just more to explain that i'll let you take that from there just yeah. in terms of why it hurt so much well yeah i i want to take i want to take the listeners back to 2013 which was arguably a knicks best season since patrick Ewing was on the team and that was the year that the knicks won 54 it was 2013 right they won 54 yeah. games uh, 2012 with, to 2013, yeah. Yeah, with with veterans leading the way, Carmelo Anthony won the scoring title that season. It was awesome. And then 2014, most of those players were still there, and there were still high expectations for this team, especially with Mike Woodson being the coach. And they just they just fell apart, and they didn't make the playoffs for maybe one game or two games. It was a handful of games that they didn't win, and because of that, they didn't make the playoffs. That was one of the most hurtful seasons, in my opinion. But then the next season... Uh, which was historically the Knicks' absolute worst season, where I, yep. I don't I don't remember how many games they won that season. It was their worst, and that was the first tanking Probably season. Twenty, I think. Yeah, I think it was like seventeen. It was also the year that like uh, Melo hurt his knee, and they just shut him down for like the second half of the season, and they just went full blown tank. Right. You know what I mean, and we had Langston Galloway getting big minutes, but yeah. The worst on. part of that was we were. This was the first season that, that Knicks fans accepted a tank uh, in order to get a number one pick because. For you know, we don't. The Knicks never really had first round picks like that because they traded all of them away uh, throughout the 2000s. But we really wanted the number one pick because Carl Anthony Towns was a monster in college, and they didn't even do that right because the Knicks won a few of the last games of the season, and they ended up getting the number four pick. And we were so mad at that point because it felt like at that point the Knicks could do nothing right. The tank race was so close, and fucking Tim Hardaway and got hot. And, and Galloway, too. Won a couple of games. Yeah, Galloway, Game too, winners. I remember that. I remember that. Game winners. Yeah, Tim Hardaway heated up. Like, he, who was at that point was ass for most of his tenure, just decided to have a, a nice hot stretch and cost us some games. And in the long run, I think we fell from, like, number – in that lottery, the number two odds to number four. 
and mm-hmm. we were so fucking heartbroken. You you go back to that lottery, like Nashville telecast or whatever. Steve Mills was up there being our rep, and as soon as he saw our, we fell to four, he fucking put his head down. You know what I mean? Like as in like the the fucking disappointment. It's a cherry was real. on top after such a horrible season. It was just it was just such a horrible feeling. So that just kept riding. So all Knicks fans, including you and I, uh, were just we we're just so we were just upset with the Knicks and just in general with basketball and our fanhood was just all being tested at that point. So we're just like okay. Draft is coming up. Uh, Phil Jackson was rumored to be picking up this European kid uh, who will be a project for two years. But in Knicks, in Knicks fans' minds, we just signed Carmelo Anthony to an extension for five years. And at that point, we need to have more players that are able to win, help us win games. So guys like Justice Winslow, Emmanuel Moutier, we're, I was hoping that the Sixers would take Porzingis and then we would take Julio Okafor. That was my hope. Um, and then mm-hmm. the first three picks... Uh, Carl Anthony Towns was drafted, uh, by the by the yeah, Wolves. Russell, Russell was yeah, traded Russell by uh, was drafted by the Lakers, and then Okafor was drafted by uh the Sixers, and then when the and you Knicks... know what, yo, that's a good job. But like, I remember when that was happening, you and I were both texting back and forth like, yo, I think Okafor or D'Angelo Russell could fall. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And Russell going too just shook up the entire draft because nobody thought they would go with Russell because I remember it was all it was all just Okafor to the Lakers. Yeah. mad long in the mock drafts and all the reports and shit, man. So I was praying. I was literally praying that the Sixers would take Perzingis, and then they took Okafor. I was like, oh, no, no, no. They can't take this kid Perzingis just because there. no one really knew about him. He was from Europe. He didn't play any games in the U.S. No one really had any footage or too much footage of right. his game. So he was just he was just a big question mark, a big mystery, and we're just like, no, we need a surefire player. And then Perzingis was drafted by the Knicks, and I was I, you and I were texting each other. I was so mad. That they drafted Brzingas. Same. I fucking watched that shit live with my fucking, at that point, like 14-year-old cousin. Yeah. And he's like, oh, who do you think the Knicks are going to pick? I was like, yo, I hope they do Moutier. I just hope they don't fuck up. I hope they get Moutier or Winslow. Chip, they fucking pick Porzingis. I damn near turned that TV off and just, like, left that left that house. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was so, at that point where we were so, like, fucking traumatized with the Andrea Bargnani experience. We are just oh like, why God, are we taking yeah. another one? Damn. Why are we taking his clone? You know what I <laughs> mean? That was the thought back then. Yeah. So the ironic thing about what you said uh, a little earlier was that the Knicks fans always have high hopes for their draft picks. Perzingis was the exact opposite, at least for me. I had really low expectations for him. I'm just like, exactly. yo. And then Summer League happened. He played decently. And I remember the exact moment where my entire fanhood of Chris Sapps completely flipped. It was a play against the Hawks. Uh, he stole the ball, and then he spun around Paul Millsap and dunked it in. And I just I didn't know he was able to do that. His putback dunks in that rookie year were fucking yeah. just like you might as well have just gave me a line of coke. Like That's... I would I snored that shit. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like that shit gave me life. That... I was like, okay. I remember it exactly. That Spurs put back on uh, put back on Lamarcus Aldridge maybe like two three Yo, days after after that uh, Paul Millsap Atlanta Hawks dunk, and then maybe a few days after that he dunked on Kevin Love on a putback, and then put back on Toronto Raptors, and then a putback later on against the Bucks. He completely that the only thing that Knicks fans have is hope. That's the only reason today you would be a Knicks fan. There's literally no other reason besides the fact that you, you live in New York for you to be a Knicks fan. It's just that you have hope that they'll be able to put it together and play well. And Chris Dasperzanes was that reason for so long, or at least four Bro. years. Just the fact that he's not a Knicks anymore doesn't change the fact that he's he's a franchise star potential. You know what I mean? Like 
I know in our previous episode with uh, Ivan, he had discussed the, fa- the possibility that he might just be a Paul Gasol or like a, a, a second banana. But I, like, he, he's in Dallas now. He's basically, him and Luca are going to be the fucking Caucasian fucking uh, Shaq and Kobe in my eyes. Like, oh, that's the potential right there. That's Bert. two franchise yeah. studs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you talk about a, like a hand in glove fit. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why just that moment when that trade happened is just, utter disappointment like the one thing we never thought would happen like we was you think it just doesn't happen we're like a, a, you don't trade young franchise stars like this before their rookie contract is over Doug yeah. it's rarely ever happened before in the history of the NBA and this you're thinking Shaq and Knicks. Kobe I'm thinking Nash and Stat times five or or Nash and fucking Dirk you know Dallas yeah. you know what I mean like a jumbo size version of that yeah like but Porzingis can dunk on everybody so that's why I'm going with And he stat. could actually play defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, he's not as good a shooter oh, as Dirk, man. but, like, he's he's Dirk with elite rim-protecting ability, and he's, like, check the facts, check the numbers. He's always been, like, anytime KP plays, anytime he's on the court, he's, he's a top three or four, like, rim-protector. You know what I mean? The only people that are better are probably Embiid and Gobert, for sure. Yep. I mean, Gobert, I mean. But, yeah, I mean, just back to that raw emotion in the moment. Like, there's a reason why, like, hardcore Knicks fans, when, when the trade went down, it's just rage, sadness. Like depression, just like the same old Knicks. Like yo, and you just see the jokes everywhere and all kinds of social media and all like sports television networks. It's like yo, this is, what the fuck are the Knicks doing? You know what I mean? And like we had to endure a torn ACL for a year. Him, him tearing his ACL was horrible. I, I was heartbroken by that just because we had so much high hopes for him. But a whole year no. passed, and we're just like, all right, you know what? He might come back in a month, and we'll see him play with Noah Vonley and Kevin Knox and Frank. And we'll see. Let's see how this team does, and maybe he'll play well enough to attract a free agent. And then, right, right, he, he was just taken away just from our hands. He was right there, ready to play again soon, and he was taken away from us. Right, we were like, I think it was in a recent episode. We were talking about, like, yeah, he'll come back, do like a little tryout, just get warmed up, get ready for going to the next uh, next season. Uh, just, just ball out. You know what I mean? It was like hurting. Star. Yeah, it was hurting me to even like want to give him up for a guy like Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and that emotion, and like, yo. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I said it in that episode, too. Like, it's fair to, like, have that emotion tied to it, but it's also, like, cut and dry. You know what I mean? Just, like, objectively looking at it, you got to give up KP to get a guy like AD. But now we don't got to worry about that predicament because, I mean, shit, he's not a Nick no more. Like, simple as that. Yeah. And, like, within a couple of days, obviously, we're detached from that moment now. We've had some time to ruminate, think on it digest everything take a step back mm-hmm. do some reading read like like smarter analysts than us give their take on it right. just look at all the facts and just you want to be the one to say it itself. you want to be the one to say the actual truth from all this oh i mean bro we got we got a big fish in the bag that's the truth in all this you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's that's objectively looking at it people are going to say lol nicks like this is the same old Knicks. Nah. Fucking, they give up a, a a young like star for just like foolish hopes at stardom, but or cap space. But this, yeah, this this so, front office before, is, before can only be go... judged. I'm gonna just be like just to set the expectation, but like I'm not yeah. even gonna get into it. But just like this front office, regardless of what you think of the Knicks franchise the last 15, 12 years, this front office in in essence can only be judged from 2017 when Scott Perry stepped in that building to now. And there's nothing in that two-year period where you can objectively say, clear cut 100%, like, yo, that's foolishness. You know what I mean? All the deals, all the signings they made, 
all adds up to smart incremental moves. But that's my thing. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously we'll have some disagreements, but mm-hmm. just Hard what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? No, but that was Mills. That was before Scott Perry stepped in the in the building. Okay. That's, that was my I point. Mean, all right. You know what I mean? Now, I, I I hear you. Uh, it it just sucks that he it felt if initially on Thursday when I heard it, it felt like because of that big mistake by Mills to hard, to sign Hardaway to that seventy two million contract, we had to sacrifice Perzingis to get rid of it. Now. Now, just to clarify for everybody and how we're gonna go from now, from this point on, because we, you and I, we've we've expressed what we feel about Chris Stapps and how we felt on Thursday. I'm gonna ask you plain and simple, right? What did the Knicks make the right choice by trading Chris Stapps Porzingis? A hundred percent. You know why? And it's not just because. I mean, Steve Mills was at at the game the other day. He said live on television. KP said he didn't want to be here. We had the leverage to make this move right now to hit all the checkpoints that we would want to hit if we were to train them and they hit every checkpoint right mm-hmm. they got a young prospect back they got draft picks and they got month like cap flexibility like that's the ideal trade right so 100 percent, this is the right decision because the dude came in and said no i'm not gonna i don't want to be here no more i'm gonna take the qualifying offer i'm off a torn acl he was putting the ball in the next court like all right you guys could try to keep me but i'm not gonna be happy and they're gonna. They were put in a position where, like, all right, are we comfortable enough to give him a humongous offer to make him happy, even if we're not sure health wise, he's he's worth it. You know what I mean? Because the health thing, we take our fan goggles off, and like we've been kind of skirting around that for the last couple of years. But that's a major thing with KP. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the health question is very legitimate because he only played in like 196 of a possible 280 something something games with the Knicks. That's pretty bad, bro. Yes. That's like. That's about 80 games away from being Greg Oden, and like Forget, not to bring up that yeah. terrible name. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but and, and just sorry, if go he, ahead. and this and this is even like th- my whole point was like that comes from Mills, but it also comes from legitimate, reputable reporters. It, it was Woj from ESPN, Zach Lowe, Ramona Shelburne, all of ESPN is explicitly stated in their report: this dude did not want to be here, and he was willing to take a qualifying offer. And he was not going to budge, and he didn't want. He, he just completely was, wanted to wash him, wash his hands of the Knicks. So in that situation, when you're in a franchise that you're not even completely sold on this dude, like yeah, you pull the trigger on a deal, and you can't objectively look at this deal and say they didn't accomplish everything they needed to accomplish. And it's also the type of like, it, my thing with it is not you shouldn't frame it as like they had to give up KP to get rid of those contracts. I like from everything I read, they offered KP in the to the Pelicans for AD. They said no. This is from ESPN, by the way. They said no to KP. KP then said he did, like, obviously communicated he didn't want to be there, and it's been for a while because, like, you probably saw the day before the trade, he was dapping up Luca all comfortable and shit, you know what I mean? So I feel like they were obviously aware, you know what I mean, that Dallas was, like, a possibility, and then they made it official to the Knicks in that meeting, right? So if that much is clear, it's not about they made that trade to get rid of Tim Hardaway because, like, from everything that's – been reported they were already in the midst of talking with the Mavs about Dennis Smith and throwing in uh, Tim Hardaway and all that you know what I mean it's only then where KP got into the equation when he just made it clear he didn't want to be there no more and Mills said they had eight offers lined up or like eight other possibilities but this is the one that hit all the checkpoints you know what I mean so objectively it's a good deal and to quote a lot of insiders that you follow on Twitter I follow a dude named Nate Jones he's an NBA agent he works with uh, Dame Lillard you know what I mean? Who's, I don't know if people are familiar, he's going to be an all-star, you know what I mean? It's a big fucking deal. <laughs> he's saying the worst kept secret in the league is what's going on in New York and what's about to happen this summer. And that's a dude 
that is playing in Golden State right now in the last two finals MVPs. Like, you don't make a deal like this unless you know you got him in the bag. And now this deal opens up enough cash space to give two max superstars where they don't got to take a pay cut. You know what I mean? So, objectively, 100%, like, what your question was like, did they make the right choice? Hell fucking yeah, dog. Like, remove the emotion from it. It stings. It sucks. But... We got a young point guard back, and you already know how I feel about Nana Smith. You know what I mean? I wanted him in the 2017 draft. I'm still fucking high on him. Like, he's, I feel like Fizdale's going to bring out the beast in this kid, and he's already showing really nice flashes. He's only 21 years old, and I think he's the best point guard prospect our franchise has had in a minute. And that includes Frankie, and I like Frank too, but I love Dennis Smith. But let me hear your take on it. Do yeah. you think we made the right choice getting rid of KP, making that deal? Absolutely. Absolutely, and it, it hurts to say it again. Porzingis is one of my favorite players in the NBA. He was my favorite player, ultimately. Um, but at the end of the day, when you have a player who is coming off a torn ACL, who doesn't want to play for the Knicks, and you have a hundred and fifty million dollars that you can offer him, thirty million a year, you don't offer that to him. You don't give it to him. That's one. So they got out of gambling with Chris Asperzingas and possibly giving him a contract that God forbid he won't be able to live up to because he'll get injured and he'll get injured multiple times. God forbid he might be the next Brandon Roy kind of player. Uh or like you said, Greg Oden. Um or the next Yao Ming. Another seven footer that had a, or the next a Yao Ming. lower leg injuries. Like Yao Ming was a beast when he played. Like yeah. a Hall of Famer. But it's that's that's a fact. That dude couldn't stay on the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, big man with lower leg injuries, like, in the history of the NBA, it is not, it's not a good track record. And a terrible track record. Porzingis doesn't just have leg problems. or leg, he, he doesn't only have a history of leg injuries. He has injuries everywhere. And just just to get out of that gamble of always wondering if Kristaps, the contract that you gave him, all that money you gave him, will be able to be lived up to, you don't have to worry about that anymore. If he plays great, which I do want him to, I want him to have a Hall of Fame career just because he's he can be that kind of player for the Mavericks. But just to not have that 100%. just to not have that weight on you and just being able to have freedom uh as as a Knicks franchise or as Knicks management, I I I wholeheartedly believe they made the right decision. Now, and they were able to get rid of Tim Hardaway's contract, Corey Lee's contract. They got rid of Trey Burke and they got two future picks. Uh, from the Mavericks. Now, when you compare to one what unprotected they... in 2021, by the way, that's right. never happened. We're always on the other end of these kind of deals, giving up unprotected picks. This is the first time in a long time the Knicks ever ever gone back to two first rounders with one being unprotected. You know what I mean? But yeah, continue. Now, now compare now compare the trade that the Knicks just did off Kristaps' torn ACL versus what the Knicks could have gotten uh, two years ago with the Phoenix Suns. What they got, well, again, they got DeAndre Jordan. Dennis Smith Jr., potential Knicks point guard of the future, uh, Wes Matthews, two future picks, one being unprotected, and no one knows what's going to happen in the future. The Mavericks could be a crap team. Um, Especially so, if KP gets injured. Right. And they don't got any picks. They don't got this year's pick because of the Luka trade last year. They don't got their pick in 2021, and they their pick they gave us in 2023 is top 10 protected. You know what I mean? What if they fall to 11? That goes to us. <laughs> right. And 11 isn't bad at all. That's still a lottery pick. And exactly. And the Dallas has struck out on free agency for like the last six years. Their biggest free agent signings have been DeAndre Jordan and DeAndre Jordan, who we now have. Um, yep. And and now the Knicks, uh, they were able to get rid of their contracts. Ever compared that versus getting, you know, fucking Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender uh, for Chris Stapps two years ago. 
Uh, that's a huge difference. Now, what does that do? Contest. What does that do for the Knicks this summer? The Knicks now have seventy-one million dollars in cap space. They also have seven first-round picks for the next five years, right? So now the Knicks have the capability of telling a guy like Kevin Durant that not only can we sign you, we can sign a player of your choosing who is capable of being a max player, such as Kyrie Irving, um, or Clay Thompson, or whoever. Uh, and I, I want to get I want to get into that a little bit more uh, later into the episode. Um, but it's not like the thing is it shouldn't even be framed as like obviously we don't know what's gonna happen we can't tell the future but like it shouldn't be framed as the Knicks taking a chance of free agency because they got the big fish lined up. I'm mad confident of it now. We were avoiding talking about it from the beginning of this podcast, not to jinx it, but like they, from everything you, like we I've seen so far, bro, like this. It's gonna happen. It's just about who's coming with him. Right. You know what I mean? Now and like, like this is like to compare. I think it was summer of 2017. News broke or report broke that LeBron is destined for LA. Mind you, this is a year before it happened. You know what I mean? These are the same kind of rumblings that these all these NBA insiders and reporters are hinting at and dropping hints at, but they don't want to directly say it or state it outright because I'm. Or I can tell they don't want to like ruin their relationships in, in terms of sources and you know out some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, and there there is a track record of reporters withholding information. Brian Winhorst said multiple times on multiple podcasts I listened to and just on TV itself, he said he's he's had information that he didn't drop because he didn't want to ruin a connection with somebody or like piss off Rich Paul or any other agent. You know what I mean? So it's that same kind of situation. Like in 2017, news dropped. LeBron's going to LA. 2018, he signs with LA. You know what I mean? And with through that season, all Magic and Rob Palenka were talking about with LA was like, oh, we're going to get the big fish. And they made moves. Like the DeAngelo Russell trade is similar to this. They gave up on a young prospect to clear up cap space. And people were deriding them, saying, like, no, what are they doing? Like they gave up on a young player, but all for cap space. Like this is like obviously on a greater scale because KP at this point has proven more than DeAngelo at that point. But you don't make that kind of deal, these cap-clearing moves, or even like the Jordan Clarkson or an Isaiah Thomas trade in the trade deadline last year. Trade deadline last year. You don't make those kind of moves in that far in advance unless you know something's coming, unless you know for a fact with almost 90% certainty the guy you want is coming. You know what I mean? And now they have the ability, the flexibility to pair two stars together. It's one thing to say, oh, come play with KP. He could be when he's healthy an elite player, right. as opposed to oh, come play with this other excellent all-star superstar player because he's already a superstar and you already got already got like a relationship with him. You guys are already boys and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, now yeah. agents and uh, front offices know way more than we do. And again, just to piggyback off what you said, they know a lot more than we do, and they I'm sure that they know that they have a an excellent chance of getting a top level player like Kevin Durant. And I'm There's sure just to, tampering just going to, on, bro. I know. <laughs> just to just to add on to that, they might also know a thing or two about Kristaps's actual health. You know what I mean? They're they they might know they you know, he's coming off a torn ACL, but their doctors might predict that Kristaps might not have a long career and because of that, they decided to not take on the gamble and just to trade him to give the Knicks more flexibility. Knicks and flexibility are two things that almost have never have happened in the last 20 years. Right. 
and makes them flexibility. Like never, never, never that. Exactly, exactly. Yes, and like just to not. I mean, we got to make the. I guess there are people out there that are still gonna be skeptical, like we're well, being homers about it. But like, nah, we'll we'll shit on the next one. We have to. But it's also just like, to me, like the health thing. Like I didn't really think on it too much until you brought it up. Like obviously, but it's just like it goes on a flip side too. I feel like there's got to be, like obviously KP's probably just like disgusted and just fed up with the franchise. But I feel like just the fact that he might even be aware of the fact that he's his projected outlook in his career might not be as bright as it should be because of his own health. You know what I mean? Like. He could be aware that, like, yo, I need to get out of the situation ASAP, you know what I mean, as opposed to spending three, four years here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because because he could be aware that, like, yo, I might not have as much time as, as I should, you know what I mean? It just, to piggyback off that injury thing, like, Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, wrote a whole article about, like, the Knicks thinking behind this, which I highly recommend. And that's the ringer.com, owned by Bill Simmons, big big time sports, uh, sports guru and shit with ESPN. But here's the list of... Uh, injuries that KP suffered since he joined the Knicks in 2015. You ready for his long ass list? I read it, but let it let, let the listeners know it's long. Right, it so, takes a while. It's, uh, shit, man, there's some shit here. I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know physically that could be possible for a human to. But anyway, it's starting off from most recent injuries to back in the day. So torn left ACL, obviously, sore left Achilles, sore left knee, sprained left ankle, sore left groin. Strain left quad, bruised left side, sore right hip, sprain right ankle, sore right foot. <sighs> Give me a second. Gotta, gotta gather my breath. <laughs> um, uh, let's get it. <laughs> Inflammation to the bone and tendon of his right knee. Like, good fucking lord. Is that dog. one thing or is that two? That's one line. What? <laughs> uh, uh, we, we got more. That is almost done. Almost done. Lower back tightness right shoulder strain, and the unspecified right elbow issue. <laughs> like, yo, not, we're not we're not uh, throwing dirt on KP, but this is, this is objectively, these are all the facts. Fuck? This is all God, happening man. to him. You know what I mean? If, I, if like, I counted that right, that was 13 different things, and I feel like that's 13 different areas of his body. Yo, and let's let's be clear. If, if during this entire time period where all these injuries happened from 2015 till now, if he was on any other team besides the Knicks, if he was an Indiana Pacer and we, you and I had read about all that shit, what would we be saying? Oh, he's that's mad risky. He's an injury-prone big man. He's seven foot three. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. invest in injury-prone big men. Like, in the history of the fucking NBA, I don't care how bad medicine is now, injury-prone big men are that. They're injury-prone big men. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially the way that KP plays, like, thundering dunks, athleticism, like, coming out of nowhere to block shit shots from the weak side. You know what I mean? Like his game is prone to those kind of like bumps and bruises and even worse. You know what I mean? And he's like, only getting older. And by the time this five-year contract ends, he'll probably, he'll be about 27, 28 years old. Right. And it's just about like his body as well. Like it's you know, people aren't supposed to be that big, bro. Like seven foot three. And like you see him, he's like gangly and shit. Like every year we would see like, oh, he's putting on weight and shit. But do you want a big man to put on weight? Cause that's the that's the fucking chicken and egg scenario. Like he needs to put on weight to like be able to handle those, bu- but like bumping inside and shit. But if he puts on too much weight, that's too much stress on his legs and feet. Yep. He ends up fucking his feet up. So, I mean, that's Dallas supposedly has an amazing like you know like a uh, strength and conditioning program, great uh, doctors and all that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and obviously they got a billion like they got Mark Cuban, Mr. Shark Tank himself. They'll do whatever it takes to make sure KP's healthy and all that. They're all up on like. Uh, sports science and uh, sleep and all that shit, you know, sleep science. Now, there's even a chance like... that they might not sign his contract. They have the they have the ability to. It's highly expected that they that they will. 
But there's even that slight chance that they don't sign Przingis, that offer. Yeah, but and I mean, then, I saw, they had their they had their intro press conference today, and a uh, reporter asked like like KP like, uh, do you plan on signing uh, with with the Dallas this summer and uh, stay or even stay long term? Cuban interrupted. He's like, oh, I'll answer that for him. Yes, yes, he will. Yo, and I, then KP yeah. and then KP chimes and he's like, yeah, we're on the same page on that. You know what I mean? Like. I guess I, they're, they're, they're ready to get married, whatever. <laughs> I think it was Rick Carlisle who openly, publicly, you know, wanted to thank ya, uh, Giannis, uh, Giannis Przingis, Przingis is, Christos Przingis' brother. Is Giannis or, or Janis? Jan, what, whatever the fuck. I'll, I'll say, I'm pretty sure the, the J is pronounced as Y, but... What, yeah, I, whatever. Fake-ass sure Janet Jackson, fucking fake-ass His, ass his agent, his his brother, who, who was also his agent, just apparently for, for a few years now, he's been trying to pressure the Knicks to get a secondary player to play with Przingis just so the team could do better. But it's kind of interesting there that Carlisle decided to take the time out to, to publicly you know, thank Giannis Przingis. Yeah, they, they're going to suck his brother's dick because they want to keep him. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're the ones that gave up all that to get him. You know what I mean? And, like, good luck to him because, like, from everything I could tell, like, obviously the Knicks are not, are not innocent by in all means. Like, like we said, Phil Jackson, like, I don't want to say he was a catastrophe, but like the way he handled his players, KP and Melo, that's that was a debacle. Like he was a dickhead. You know what I mean? Yeah. It soured our franchise player to the point where he got so disenchanted that he wasn't even willing to give this new front office a shot. Which, mind you, new front office came into being in 2017 when Scott Perry walked in the door. You know what I mean? And how many coaches that we had in KP's tenure? Four coaches in four years, right? Like yes. obviously, legitimate gripes. But it's also on the flip side, like, who the fuck is this dude, Janice, who's not even a, a, an actual, sport, like, no sports business experience before be taking over his brother? You know what I mean? Who is he to demand, like, or make all these demands as if KP is a four-time All-Star, All-NBA type player that played every game? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a flip side to everything. Like, both parties are are not innocent by any means is what, my, what I'm trying to get at. But, you know, obviously there's going to be a slanted view of the Knicks just based on the reputation for the past 15 years. And that's fair. You know, the game is a game. You got to take what it is. You know what I mean? We wrote for this team. We know what it is. Yeah. But at this point, judge from 2017 until now, he just, the sins of the past, like ruined any chance of this current Knicks front front office to start new with KP. You know what I mean? That's my whole bug point. So I wanted to make a point. um, And you kind of started off for me, the Phil Jackson and just, the Knicks of the last twenty years. Now, I the the point I want to make is, the 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 management made the right decision to get rid of Porzingis to trade Porzingis because of health issues and because he was disgruntled. I I have a problem with the fact that he was disgruntled to begin with, and that's just been a common theme for top Knicks players or stars from from since two thousand since Patrick Ewing was traded. He has to be Patrick Ewing wanted to be traded. He was traded to to the Supersonics, and since then, any player that was supposed to be a star in New York, there has been some form of problems, whether it's the player being selfish or problem with, problems with I the mean, management. It's just, it's, just, it's just a common theme. I'm not, I'm not you know, pointing fingers at like, any yeah, particular yeah. person, but it's just, it just sucks as a Knicks fan to have to see Ewing having problems and then later on Marbury having his problems and then Melo having problems with Phil and Phil doing all these stupid sh- – I, 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 I mean, we always put Phil. The only credit we ever had to give Phil was, you know, tr- uh, uh, drafting Przingis, and then he tried to trade Przingis earlier. It's just like, and he's the reason that Przingis was disgruntled, and then he treated Carmelo horribly, and then maybe Phil was right though. I mean, to the from all indications in that moment, was Phil was like dubious about KP's long term viability because of his health. 
You know what I mean? I, I so maybe we'll be right. Much credit. I wouldn't give him that much credit. I mean, no, but that's like I'm telling you what was reported at the time, and we all wrote it off as like, yo, Phil's a dickhead. He doesn't believe in his franchise star. But like, objectively looking at it, was was he right? Because like soon after he tore his ACL, right after literally half the after half the injuries that I read off were all on his left side of his leg, his left leg, and his left ACL tore. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, Phil was a dickhead, but by no means am I arguing he was like a fucking saint. You know what I mean? But but yeah, in terms I mean, of like being skeptical of KP's health, like he, he was probably right. I don't know. I I just don't. I I'm always gonna. I just feel like we have to. Uh, I don't think we should. Ha- we we should have to be skeptical of of the Knicks, you know, front office. But I kind of am. I feel like some. I I don't want to have too high hopes. But with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving being on their top list for the free agency classes to be signed to the Knicks this season, th- those are two of the most polarizing players in the NBA. By no means are they guaranteed. Are they guaranteed to come to the Knicks? Earlier this season, mm-hmm. Kyrie said he'd be down to be to resign with the Celtics. Now he's saying, "Uh, uh wait for July first. Oh. I, I don't know anyone shit." <laughs> um, like these, these are the two guys we're targeting right now, and it's just like Knicks having a history with having problems with their star players. With I, I, I would love to have. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving come to the Knicks. It's just like like I feel I if if they do sign like that shit's gonna happen, but. It's just, Question: Who's our general manager? Huh? Scott Perry. Who's yeah, I know, I know. The, uh, the, no, 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 but no, like, no, uh, this is an exercise. I, I know you know, but like, follow me here. Kevin Durant. Our general yes. Scott Perry, right? No, no, our general manager Scott Perry, right? Yes. Okay. Um, in 2007, Kevin Durant got drafted by who? Scott Perry. On the Sonics, right? Yes. And um, reportedly, they still have a good relationship. They're still cool. Um, who's Kevin Durant's agent? Rich Kleinman. Rich Kleinman, um, native New Yorker, big Knicks fan. Yep. Dude joked last year that he wanted to run the Knicks one day. Yep. Uh, about six months ago, he was on Bill Simmons' podcast. Before any of the big-time KD, like, smoke was rearing to go and, like, picking up steam, he called out Scott Perry and Steve Mills by name on a widely listened to podcast and said, I got a lot of respect for those guys over there. They're doing well. On his own accord, you know what I mean? Because Bill Simmons could even name Scott Perry, and Rich Kleiman had to point him out himself. You know what I mean? Um, next question. KD, who are you aware of some of his best friends in the league? Do you know who Kevin Durant said is his best friend in the league? Uh, Best friend? I know his close friend is DeAndre Jordan, if you're trying to get with him. Right. But who, like, did he literally said this person that I'm about to tell you, he was his best friend in the league and the best teammate in the league. Do you want to know who it is? Who? Um, Knicks assistant coach Royal Ivy. Oh, who, yeah, yeah, I recall. Who played with who played with the KD Thunder. and uh uh-huh, and he was KD's mentor. Uh, second question: Who do, who else did we uh or not second question, but the next question: Who did we also pick up in the KP trade besides Dennis Smith and Wes Matthews? DeAndre Jordan. Who's also buddy buddy with KD? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't think we got to worry about the KD. Uh, being upset with the Knicks. I really don't. You know what I mean? I really don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, Fizdale's another thing, but from everything we've seen, Fizdale's a player's coach, and he's got a lot of respect for star players, and the, and it's likewise. I think KD himself, um, when we hired Fizdale, um, spoke out about how he likes Fizdale, and that's a great hire. Mm-hmm. But that's my rebuttal to your point. Like What Fair I'm enough. saying is similar to what I was saying with KP – was judging the current front office based on the sins of the past, you're kind of doing the same thing. 
like I feel like we got to give like obviously the Knicks are the Knicks like we always got to keep broader concepts and history in mind but you also gotta give these guys if if what Steve Mills and Scott Perry were doing they had done with maybe the fucking Orlando Magic or whatever we would be saying objectively they're making good moves you know what I mean and these connections like we they would be acknowledged you know what I mean but I don't think we got to worry about KD having an issue with the Knicks front office. No, the, overall point, the overall point of what I was trying to say was that it just it just sucks that Kristaps is the latest star player in the Knicks team that has to that has an issue with the front office. It's just like every player since Patrick yeah. Ewing has had a problem. It was just that, that was just it my sucks. one thing that I didn't like about the KP trade. It was just like the fact that he had to be disgruntled, that they didn't do enough to make him happy. I know they tried. I know Fizzo went to Lavia with, with his wife and tried to reconcile with Kristaps, with but... It's just like it. Just, it just sucks that um, that so many star players. There's just always some form of problem. It's just a very Nickish thing. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, but... I I have a side. I have a side question. Uh, unless you want to make your point. Uh, no, I mean just my one point with that is just my whole biggest thing is going back to both sides are guilty. You know what I mean? Neither side is innocent. Like let's. I saw somebody saying like, "Okay, oh, P was mad that yeah, Phil went to Latvia, but Steve Mills didn't go. They didn't go to Latvia to see him, but." KP skipped an exit interview with Steve Mills literally the year prior. But that was, I mean, people getting props for that, right? And I, I think even I at the moment was like, all right, he's holding the people accountable. But at the same time, nobody's, nobody ever skips exit interviews in terms of, like, young players. You know what I mean? Like, established superstar guys skip exit interviews. And he did it as a protest to support Melo, obviously. He was Phil was being a dickhead of Melo. But Steve Mills is still in that room. You know what I mean? Like, Phil was a dickhead. Steve Mills was just a general manager doing his job working under Phil. You know what I mean? So neither side is guilty, and also like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm all for player empowerment, but they also gotta be held accountable for their actions. But uh, what's your side question? Um, now that they signed Dennis, uh, not Dennis, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews, all of whom played uh, yesterday against the Grizzlies, should we be worried that they're gonna win extra games? That's gonna cost us in the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. Because I know, I know, I know. Other teams are looking into trying to get Wes Matthews. Hopefully, the Knicks buy him out. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of worried that with Jordan playing on the team, and I want him to be on the team just for Kevin Durant and for Mitchell Robinson's development. Just because we've always, we've always, uh, you, you've mentioned it multiple that times. Good, that, that was a comparison. You know what I mean? That's yeah, that was your perfect. comparison. You called it. They're, they're almost exactly <laughs> alike, uh, except DeAndre Jordan claims that he's more handsome. That's what he said, uh, which is funny. Um, I'm inclined to agree. A hell of a good-looking dude. <laughs> Uh, I I am kind of worried that they're gonna win some extra games now, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt their chances. They they might end up being the fourth worst team instead. That's a legit gripe, but like you said, um, for, I saw the report too. There's a lot of teams, contenders. I think it was Golden State, Sixers, and Rockets. They're waiting for West to get bought out. But I think that in terms of that report and that leak coming on, I think that's good for us because to me, it'll honestly open up teams to trade for them because they're like you know what all these contenders are trying to get them we should get them now for for cheap you know what i mean if they give us like a couple second round picks and like another expiring contract like yeah you guys can have west matthews you know what i mean yeah uh the other question i want to ask you because it's been something that's been bothering me for the last few days oh is... i didn't answer your question though, though about oh. like a, a word about the tank <laughs> oh yeah my um, bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah it's all good i mean it's a emotional podcast it's fucking it's all fresh even four days after you know what i mean but yeah. um no, nah, I'm mean, not too worried just because like, we're so fucking deep in the tank game around. I like, feel like this trade happened at a moment where we're just like, I don't think we're winning enough where we'd be like fall from like out of that top three, 
top three worst record because at the end of the day, the top, the, the bottom three records, yeah, the bottom three records have like the same odds to get the number one pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as we stay in that three range, you know what I mean? Like that top three range, we're fine. And um, I, I think like my biggest, like obviously I would love Zion, but I, I do. I'm a fan of the other players in this draft. My biggest thing was just like that pick was just like the value was recently was tied to possibly using it as an AD trade chip. Yep. But I feel like that's out the window. So now it's just like, okay, I mean, we're set up for the summer. We got a nice young pieces. You know what I mean? I love Dennis Smith, Mitch Robinson, Knox, Frank, Creer, Dotson. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't been this excited for a group of Knicks young players in a minute, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? So we just add any of those top four or five guys in this draft, go into the summer with the flexibility to add two max superstar players. We, we go money. You know what I mean? So – Regardless, like, yeah, I think that if we don't play cancer and just give all our center minutes to DeAndre, Mitch, and uh, Cornette, we get Frank and Moody back and have them mesh with uh, Dennis Smith, I think, like, yeah, we might win a few games, but I think that's what the po- our point was at the beginning of the season. Like, yeah, as long- if we win games, it's whatever if the young kids are playing. We got nothing but young kids now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are two different things I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the, the shorter end. I, I'm kind of worried that now that Dennis Smith Jr. is on the team, that makes Frank Nilkina more expendable. And uh, he's basically the last Phil Jackson piece that's that remains on the team at this point. Um, and Dotson. And Dotson, you're right. Uh, with with Frank, the, the trade deadline's in three days. Would you be surprised if there's a Frank Nilkina trade looming? I mean, bro, it hasn't even been a week yet. We can't. We can't be surprised at anything now at this point. Like the bombshell dropped. Anything afterwards is fucking just an after effect, you know? Yeah. Like so like I wouldn't be shocked if Frank gets trade. I hope he doesn't because I honestly feel like his skill set fits perfectly with Dennis. Like Dennis is a better attacker, you know what I mean? Better playmaker. Um he's he's a point guard, you know what I mean? Like with like and Frank. My biggest thing with this is they kinda refocus what I think would be a good de- development path for him. I think um, what inspired me to think this was uh, actually Paul George, because I think in a recent interview he said um, those first few years in Indiana were good for his development because all he had to do was play defense and just um, shoot threes and spot up, right? So he, he he was given the avenue to have a role while also developing the other parts of his game during the summer and shit, you know what I mean, to the point where he would be ready to step into a bigger role, right? Right. So, we, so Frank could just focus on playing defense right now, spotting up, making the extra pass, doing the little things, doing what he already does, you know what I mean, without like that pressure of, oh, He's the point guard of the future. It takes pressure off of him. And if we keep him, you know, knock on wood, I hope we do. Uh, I think him and Dennis are a great fucking fit. You know what I mean? Like, the skill sets match. Um, their upsides, I think, w- are just like a hand-in-glove fit in terms of, like, what you want for those two guys. Like, a, a like a, an attacking pick-and-roll point guard that's athletic, that can score at the cup, that can shoot threes off the dribble, um, matched up with a, a versatile, like, wing piece that could guard the twos, threes, and the ones to make the extra pass can like and just spot up like Frank needs to get a shot right. But right now I feel like he's got like less of a pressure to be what he's not at this point. And he's, he was a project coming into the draft. So, yeah. Um, am I worried we trade him? Like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do, but I hope we don't. And I'm not, I want to say I'm worried because at this point, shit, bro, we got, <laughs> we got it in the bag this summer. I'm gonna let it be. Yeah, I don't. On that. I don't think I. I feel like they're not going to trade him because he's he's not doing that well, and it's not like he hurts the tank. And what else are we really trying to get right now besides just trying to get Zion right now? Um, 
I my I just I just don't know if they'll be if he'll be able to develop as well as he possibly could because we noticed that he plays his best when he's a primary ball handler. That's why he didn't play so well with Trey Burke and some other players. Mm-hmm. But and Dennis Smith Jr. needs a ball in his hand, so right. Hopefully, and and I you mentioned it to me earlier uh, through through Messenger that you were listening to the Zach Lowe podcast and uh, Zach Lowe stated that Frank is one of the three worst offensive players in the NBA. Is that what he said? It's hard. To- yeah, and it's hard to argue that. He said top three worst rotational players in the NBA right now. So players that are in the rotation, he's probably one of the three worst offensively, and it's hard to argue when you watch him play. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. That's just a fact. You know what I mean? If, and If he's just not like, able to shoot, you know, off, off Dennis's, Dennis Smith's passes, and if he's not able to drive in or attack the basket because the ball's in Dennis Smith's hands, it's just like, you know, how, how will they really fit together unless Frank finally figures out how to shoot the ball better? I think it could just come from Dennis, like us going all in on him being the point guard, and it's about like just beating into his head into the coaching, to the film study. That like, yo, you make the extra pass, you pass to the corner. You know what I mean? Don't make, just make the obvious pass, but just like look for guys, look for shooters. And I mean, Frizzo, as he said the other day, like this kid is a this kid's a talent, and we're just gonna bring it all out of him. And I mean, Frizzo's track record of player development, like look what he's done with Moody in just like six months. You know what I mean? And Moody is like a worse prospect, and he's older, like. I got all the confidence in the world in, in Fizdale to, like, develop Dennis Smith. And, like, fun fact, like, our, one of our assistant coaches, uh, Caleb Canales, yep. he was in Dallas last year, so he's familiar with Dennis. Yeah, he's an assistant coach for Dallas last year, so he's already familiar with Dennis. Um, and I feel like Dennis is the kind of point guard that Fizdale's been wanting, you know what I mean? Like an attacking, like, uh, pick-and-roll kind of, like, athletic point guard. So I think it's just – their fit and chemistry obviously starts with Dennis because if you're the primary ball handler and the primary like primary playmaker, um, it's on you to find the other guys, find the complementary pieces, and make sure they get in where they fit in. You know what I mean? So it all comes back to just me being confident in Fizdale's uh, player development chops. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, I feel like you're more skeptical. You think like like Frank's gonna be out of here? Like you think like it's not gonna be a good fit? No, like, no. I what's your take on Dennis Smith though? Because I feel like we went back and forth on him during the draft. So I just kind of want to revisit that. You high on him, or like, what do you think? Uh, I'm not too high on him until he fixes his jumper. But the other reason why I'm not too crazy about him because he's just that attack first point guard, and that's really his whole game. And this summer we're we're targeting Kyrie Irving. So if we do sign Kyrie or Kemba Walker, I don't know what's gonna happen to Dennis Smith Jr. I was okay with Frank because Frank can shift to the number two and be the primary defender. And then be that smart, you know, glue to the team. But if if we t- if we sign a top level point guard on the team who needs a ball in his hands, basically Kemba Walker and Kyrie's whole game, I don't know what's gonna happen in Desmond Jr. That's why with him, I I I'm I'm okay with I, I I'm really personally I just I think he'll be okay if if Kyrie and Kemba aren't on the team. But uh, I'm not really you know I haven't seen enough of his game to make an accurate opinion. But I I'm not too high on his game but i feel like just because we're targeting point guards also this summer i'm not really sure what's going to happen to him i see that i mean i feel you on that but i think like i think when i'm saying page it comes down his jumper developing and i mean it just goes back to a physical like what his core tenants have been he just wants multiple ball handlers guys that like whoever gets the rebound they bring it up right yeah so i also feel like if we do get Kyrie, ain't no harm in dennis being the sixth man like you know what i mean like this what better point guard to learn from? And I think the biggest thing, like, obviously there was an issue with Doncic being the ball handler and uh, Dennis Smith. There was, like, a kind of a little bit of a power struggle. 
but that it comes in with like Dennis having to defer to a rookie, or like a younger rookie. So I feel like him deferring to an all-star point guard is a different case. You know what I mean? I think he'll be more amenable, amenable to fitting in. I think that goes into it because at the end of the day, like it's, just, it's like like these players are human. Obviously, you know what I mean. Like when you're when you're a kid in high school, you become a sophomore. You you, you obviously look down on a freshman. You know what I mean? So like say like Dennis was like the franchise pick last year. This new kid comes in. He's 19. You're the 21 year old point guard of the future. But now this kid is like trying to take a shine. Like obviously, who like honestly like. His shooting numbers are, like increase across the board. Like he's not a good shooter by any means, but he's getting better. He's showing a little bit more defensive chops. I remember showing you like an excerpt from an article by Zach Lowe where he talked about how like Dennis Smith isn't completely a zero on that anymore. He's actually like doing well. He's had some game winning, game sealing defensive plays this season for Dallas. So, and that all comes down to just coaching. You know, like I feel like he's in a situation where we're invested in him. From everything I read and just at the time, the Knicks front office was split during the 2017 draft. Like there was folks that wanted DSJ and there was folks that wanted Frank. And they got both. Like the, exactly. I mean, but the dude in charge at the time picked Frank. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm like 100% sure with the other dude, the, the, one of the people at the front office at that time that wanted DSJ was Steve Mills. And Dennis Smith said as much because I think after a post game press conference, he said last year he had a dinner with Steve Mills and they like talked about it and they see Mills expressed that he wanted De- Dennis Smith. You know what I mean? That's the impression he got. And now we just trade for him all of a sudden. Like, I feel like C Mills has an affinity for like Dennis Smith and there's a type, you know what I mean? Like obviously that contract for Tim Hardaway was not good by any means, but he has a type for those scoring athletic guys. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's a premium at the, at, in the league. And Dennis becomes a, a good defender, a decent defender and lives up to the kind of potential I think he has on offense, like, I think we're good. Like, I think him and uh, Frank are a good fit, but I don't know. I mean, uh, you got a good point with just, like, worrying about getting another point guard this summer, you know, especially since uh, Dennis is going to be a free agent in two years. And I don't really give it that much thought in terms of that. But, I mean, Terry Rozier didn't have an issue backing up Kyrie, you know. I think it will be that kind of same situation. Yeah, hopefully. Um but yeah, the the biggest story right now for the New York Knicks is who who can they draft in the upcoming free agency? We're gonna I think May is when we find out what pick the the Knicks have in terms of lottery. Hopefully it's number one. We could get Zion Williamson. Hopefully, um, the other thing is free agency. So the Knicks again, you can never tell what's gonna happen in the NBA. We we see so many surprises. Is it is it KD uh, or bust? Would you be happy? Would you be, would you be happy with signing like Jimmy Butler and Kemba Walker to two max contracts? Um, hmm. because I, like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But I like Jimmy. I think Kemba's getting out of Charlotte. You know what I mean? I take um, MJ even said he's not gonna let Kemba go. They're gonna pay him. Um, like I think uh, somebody on the Ringer uh, had said like this deal, it. It would be disappointing if they, if they made this deal and they end up with like fucking Tobias Harris and DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins. Some that's shit. my I think worry. Yeah. That shit that, you know what I mean? But I don't think this deal gets made if that's even a possibility. I like, bro. I'm like, I know we wasn't trying to jinx it, but I think we got it in the bag, bro. I had, like, especially after like the last few days. Let's say, let's say it's not in the bag. Just because 
we 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 didn't think it was in the well, we got in the bag with LeBron in 2010, but we ended up signing Amari Stoudemire. When he got signed, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to a guy in Cleveland right now and try to get him to come on the Knicks. And I was just like, I feel like the the Knicks front office, definitely the Knicks front office, feel a lot of pressure from the media and the Knicks fan base. And really, the Porzingis trade was 50-50. And I feel like a lot of fans at this point feel that because you gave up Porzingis, you better deliver us a top-notch player in the NBA. And um, no doubt, but. As soon as like KD and Kyrie sign, people are gonna forget about Porzingis, bro. No, I know. If they sign them, that's it. That's it. But if they, let's say hypothetically, if we don't, we don't got them in the bag, um, and they're they're kind of leaning towards re-signing with their teams, would would you would you be surprised if if I I wouldn't be too surprised if Scott Perry and Steve Mills, as great as they've been, will feel that pressure and want to kind of sign a player like Jimmy Butler to a max contract. Well, that's the thing. And with Tobias Cassidy, Harris, they might like, they might do like Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, which I would not be happy about at all. I wouldn't want Tobias because he's still kind of young. But I see your point. But also at the end of the day, cap space. Think about cap space; it gives you flexibility. So if they strike out, which I don't think is going to happen, I think there's like a one percent chance that happens. Um, knock on wood, jinx, whatever. But too many. Wow, you're giving a ninety-nine percent chance that we're going to sign KD. Too much smoke. Like, let me bring it back to what I was saying. Like, well, cap space. It gives you flexibility. So if we strike out, we got the flexibility to use that cap space to take on deals that other teams don't want, and, be, and they'll give us assets for those deals. You know what I mean? So, we, all right, if we miss out on the big phrase, what do we do? We just go back to the like the path we had already planned out, like a, a rebuild. You know what I mean? With the young kids, because then we'll have a young signing core. We'll have like a a top pick this year. Like I said, Smith. Knox, Mitch, no, I, I hear Chris, what you're saying, Frank. but we're speaking as two outside unexperts, not feeling the pressure from Knicks fans, thousands of them or hundreds of them, and news media, all eyes on you. You gave up your star player. You gave up your foundational piece. You can't get us KD or Kyrie. What are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like again, this is very, this is very. Yeah, but it's not. But it's, not subject, thing, it's not. It's not object. It's not uh, objective at all. But that's uh, the thing, though. Like a front office, like a good front office doesn't give a fuck about uh, outside pressure. You know what I mean? It's not gonna happen. Like, and from what I could tell, Scott Perry and Steve Mills, they wouldn't make this trade if they gave a fuck about what the, what the outside think thought. You know what I mean? That that's my biggest thing. A good front office does not care about outside perception. They make cold, calculated moves based on what they feel is best for the Knicks. For they, that, they care what their franchise. boss thinks, though, right? Right. So my thing is, it, it leans into what I had said earlier. Steve Mills is fucking Dolan's boy. You know what I mean? Like they, he goes back almost a decade with our owner, and he's given Mills and Perry the avenue to take care of this on their own, and he's been hands off. Like as we appreciate he was hands off with Phil until he had to come in last minute and get rid of that debacle. But now he's going back to being hands off. It's just Mills and Perry right now. Regardless of what any what the perception is, like yeah, Dolan's still the owner, but he hasn't had a hand in anything the Knicks have done since he let go. Phil, like from all indications, it would have been reported otherwise. Nobody reputable has reported anything to 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 let me think that Dolan has a sway. So, like yeah, obviously he's the wild card. Like Mills and Perry could not give a fuck, but they could. Dolan could fire Mills and Perry if they were to strike out. Side well, my note, thing is that's a... sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, but side note, I just looked <laughs> it up. There's there's no opinion from Dolan on Porzingis being traded. Like I don't think anybody asked him. Where there nobody knows what he what he thinks. Uh, that's which, good. Which, which he, I find he, very he, he, which I find very interesting. I I would have thought he somebody would have asked him and gotten like a quote out of him. Uh, well, that's my point. Trade. I think he's if they were to, I mean, 
they would try to get a quote out of him and they don't, there's no quote right because you know why? Because he's not meddling in the Knicks affairs. He's letting people he trusts handle it. He trusts Mills. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that frumpy little bastard, but he's putting trust in, in Mills and Mills with Perry by his side since 2017. I don't think he's done any objectively putrid moves or bad moves. It's all been decent and good here and there. You know what I mean? It's all been a piecemeal process and it's all going to culminate this summer. And my thing is, like, you brought up 2010 and a lot of people bring that up as well. I don't think that's a, it's not a one-to-one comparison by any means. Our young core is better now. We actually have an asset this summer. 2010, our draft pick was Utah had and the Utah Gordon Hayward. You know what I mean? 2010, we had Gallo and Wilson Chandler. This year, we have like that laundry list of promising young players that I just mentioned. You know what I mean? Two, we actually have a front office that's in touch and probably 99% tampering, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. We had Donnie Yo, If we get, if we we get got... Zion Williamson from this draft and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, there's going to be a whole, like, con- like a, con- a controversial theory and, like, everybody's going to – there's going to be conspiracy theory. There's going to be a whole, like, But nobody's going to care because, it. like, <laughs> there's nobody going to care because LeBron's a Laker right now. Nobody – like, tampering shouldn't – it doesn't matter because, like, the LeBron's a Laker thing was in the – like, was reported in 2017 by very reputable sources. Bill Simmons came out and said it. You know what I mean? ESPN pretty much said, like, yeah – He's like LeBron's destined to be a Laker. Brian Windhorst, same shit. You know what I mean? And it happened. And people talk about tampering, yada, yada, yada. But nah. <laughs> I think we got it in the bag this summer. And like, like, going back to my point, the thing about 2010 was the one thing that kept, from what I've read in that moment and just looking back on it, we would have had that big three, but we didn't have the money to make it happen. Miami got the money to make it happen, and they all went to Miami. But I remember ESPN New York reported at the time, the biggest obstacle, like LeBron wanted to be in the Knicks, but he also wanted to play with LeBron, Le, like with Wade and Bosch. We only had enough money to pair him with one other star. You know what I mean? Like it was either going to be LeBron and Bosch or LeBron and Wade. Wade wasn't going to leave Miami for New York if, if it wasn't going to be a big three. You know what I mean? So, and a big reason why is because we didn't have the complete financial flexibility. We still had Eddie, Car- Eddie Curry's contract on the books which meant we could only offer two max free agents. You know what I mean? Miami made room for three. This summer, we got room for two. The only other team in the league right now that has room for two stars is the LA Clippers. You know what I mean? I believe the Nets do as well. Yeah, but I think they're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to renounce D'Angelo. You know what I mean? And as good as he's been playing, he made the all-star team. So, like, good shit. You know what I mean? Kudos. I, Um, I didn't expect it, but kudos. I mean, he's been balling out since uh, Karis LeVert went down and now uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's gone. Yep. Um, but, yeah, my bad. I got a fucking Woj alert from, uh, from Twitter <laughs> uh, regarding the L.A. and uh, Anthony Davis uh, shit, which we got to actually got to touch on. But back to uh, your thing about just uh, what happens if we strike out. Uh, like, yeah, if Dolan gets pissed and throws a tantrum, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I just want to. I still want to like. Men, I, I mean, I'm just saying for my own mentality. I just don't want like thinking. Yeah, we're definitely Katie. I I want to be ready for that time when Jim Dolan just just pushes them to sign fucking Tobias Harris to a five year max contract deal. We get Katie this summer. I whip my dick out and put it on the table and telling everybody in that room to suck it. Whatever room I'm in, and I see that news, that's what's gonna happen. You gonna be at work I'm going that on day. Sh- I know it. Well. I'm not gonna have a job the next day, but that don't matter. <laughs> but shit, man, I think we covered every angle of this trade emotional episode. I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, 
Uh, yeah, go on. My bad. I mean, no, nah, no. Nah. At, at the end of the day, the Knicks are in the best position that they have been in I don't know how many years. They have cap space, enough space to assign two max level players, and players have expressed players as and the number one player in the free agency class, Kevin Durant, who is arguably the best player in the world, has expressed a lot of interest in the Knicks and a lot of sources connecting him to the Knicks and. The Knicks are one of the worst teams in the NBA right now in terms of record and have a chance to sign a top-level uh, college basketball player such as Zion Woodson mm-hmm. or R.J. Barrett, mm-hmm. and they have all their draft picks. They have seven uh, for the next five years, so they're in the best position that they have been in decades at this point. No doubt. Let's just hope Probably that they ever. don't mess it up. Let's just hope that they don't do something. That sh- one signing can mess it all up. Not all up, but let's just hope that it, it all comes into fruition this summer and all the hardship and all the bullshit that you and I and all the other Knicks fans had to go through, uh, you know, is worth it. And at the end of the day, if we were to sign like Tobias Harris and like free agent uh, X or whatever, we still have, what was it, seven first round picks in the next five years, next four years? Yeah. We still have multiple second round picks. We have Charlotte's second round picks in 2020 and 2021, and they're going to be asked probably for for a minute. If we I get really if we get two of the K's, uh, Kevin Durant or Kyrie or Kemba or whoever, I feel like we're gonna end up trading some of those just because we're gonna need better role players, especially if we're gonna be a title contending team. Um, that's just a that's just my opinion. I feel like at that point maybe Frank will get traded. Uh, I think if we get, no, I mean I think if we get two stars and like that, um, and bring back DeAndre. You know what I mean? I wouldn't mind bringing back DeAndre. I think he'll stay. You know what I mean? If take a discount. Yeah, to play with the tape, play sucks. with the boys. KP is not the center of the future anymore. <laughs> that sucks. That's Mitch Robinson, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch Robinson, center of the future now. But yeah, I mean, sh- shit. What was the last thing you said? Because I'm like all over the place right now. Uh, we got all our. <laughs> we oh, uh, we're, we might trade away some of those picks or some of our young guys to get better rotational players, especially if we're gonna go gun for the championship. If we get Kevin Durant and Kyrie or whoever. Uh, that's thinking like way, way into the future, but yeah. Yeah, but just going off your point about it's the best like place we've ever been as a franchise. Like right now, it's just like we counting down until the summer, bro. That's all it is. Like we've never been in a position like this. And my biggest point, or my the point that I just came back to me, um, it's been a long day. My bad. But <laughs> um, so what you brought up is that we're in the best place as a franchise ever. I think the very fact that. Kyrie came out and said, like, yeah, I respect the Knicks organization. And you got Anthony Davis, uh, like, besides the Lakers, where his second preferred destination. Like, these level of player, players, like top five, top ten kind of players, they never really put the Knicks, like, they never vocalized any kind of affinity for the Knicks like that. You know what I mean? Like, with LeBron in 2010, it was all just like, oh, people reading into hints and shit there, but he never out- outright said anything. He just, like, complimented Garden. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what do you? Was there ever a star that like really? Were there ever multiple stars in in one time period like this that ever spoke even that positively about the Knicks? Like that there lets me know shit is changed in the Garden. Like in terms of like culture, in terms of just like reputation, and I think it all has to do with fucking tampering, bro. Like Steve Mills, <laughs> Scott yeah. Perry, like they probably. <laughs> I love that. I, a... I love that you led to that. I, I I didn't expect you to say tampering straight up, but. No, nah, that is. I feel like <laughs> I thought you were know, gonna, offer... gonna say like very eloquently and very, you know, uh, 
properly engaging conversation with players and they're just like working really hard and all that. Nah, you went straight nah, to tampering. Bro. <laughs> nah, bro, they tampering like crazy. They are probably offering offering like two dollar hand jobs to these agents <laughs> and shit, and they probably doing the best fucking handies in the world, bro. Like <laughs> moisturizer and everything, son. Like they, sh- <laughs> it, 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 that's it's got to be fucking tampering. And you know what? Like fuck it. All this shit happens behind the scenes. I think like I saw a reporter, um, Matt Moore. He he's his Twitter handle is HP Basketball. He works for CBS, but he said how um, he doesn't have as many sources as these big guys. But anytime he gets even like a little bit close to just like finding out what goes on like in the background with agents and teams, it's what the public is aware of and knows is nothing compared to what actually goes on. You know what I mean? That's yeah. pretty, pretty much what he said outright. Like what's happening right now, these like backdoor conversations in terms of tampering and shit like that. I think we finally got a guy like Scott Perry who has a rep around the league with teams and franchises, has respect with players and shit. You know what I mean? Like he's the one that came in. We're like literally fresh off of like getting hired. We were about to trade Melo to Houston for some shit deal. He said, he nah. Went, came, nah, exactly. He came in and not only that, he spoke to Melo. And, like, Bello suddenly changed his tune. You know what I mean? He became more cooperative with the franchise. He wasn't just like, nah, get me the fuck out of here anywhere. You know what I mean? He was just like, nah. He worked with Scott Perry. Like, that that comes from somewhere. Like, he has a he has a respect about him because he has a long tenure in the league. You know what I mean? Like, the Sonics, the Pistons during their heyday. Um, Orlando, OKC. Like, he's got connections and shit. And just I know for a fact he's probably tampering his ass off. And, you know, God bless him. Shit. Yeah. For sure, and nah, man, I don't, I don't want to get into the whole Anthony Davis sweepstakes. Where this is our, this has already been our longest episode, dude. We're like an hour and twenty minutes in. Hard to believe. Yeah, we, we just, could... we just talking here. Yeah, well, um, from what I can tell, um, Anthony Davis is gonna be wearing that purple and gold by the yep. end of the week. So we'll, we'll do a, an episode then. You know, maybe treat our listeners to two episodes in a week if we're feeling ambitious. You feeling ambitious? Uh, very ambitious at this point. Yeah, I mean, shit, like, dog, that tw- like that 24 to 48-hour span where, like, the a- AD, like, like new- news broke, and then, like, the Knicks were in the conversation, or, like, and then, boom, the Kristaps shit happens. Like, that's all happened not in 24 or 48 hours. It was, like, a week, right? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, I mean, shit, we have so much more to look forward to. At this point, the next stop is May. We Hopefully, the lottery... Uh, all those ping pong balls go in our favor, uh, and yeah, man. I mean, that that's pretty much it from what we're trying to talk about. This is the whole Christos Porzingis episode at this point. Shit felt good, bro. Felt like therapy. Yeah. No jokes. I, I mean, I hope all the <laughs> listeners finally, you know, understand why Porzingis meant so much to us and why the trade made sense and it's okay. And as far as you know, you and I go, we're both satisfied. And yeah, um, I mean, that's the point of this of our- podcast. We're trying to we're trying to educate the masses and let them know that it's not all black and white and that this is all a long term plan. It's not all, you know, short term and try to get the best players. It's just it's just not it's not all black and white. It's all long term. And this summer, summer 2019 will hopefully be the year of the Knicks or the summer for summer of the Knicks. Yeah, and I mean, feel like a lot of folks who just listen to this and be think it think of it as like conflicting ideas. Like we're we're torn up about losing KP, but like we're also complimenting the deal. Like yeah, it's possible. Like the obviously the emotions attached to KP, but objectively looking at it, if you're gonna trade a young player like that, you get another prospect back, you get picks, and you get flexibility. That's like 
those are the core tenets of what you want in a deal like that. You know what I mean? There's no way you could look at it objectively and say it's not a good deal from that matter. Yeah. Especially knowing as the fact that uh, uh Devin Current is on the way this summer. <laughs> Boy. The next decade. For that the next decade <laughs> better fucking belong to New York, man. The 2020s. To, the 2020s. The decade of the Knicks. That podcast. Nah, <laughs> tune into the podcast when, when that happens, dog. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, that's we're we're. I think you know we're ready to wrap this wrap this episode up. This is again. This is unedited. This is uncensored, uncut. We're just we're recording and I'm releasing it right away. That's that's what we're doing. Um, this these are real raw emotions and reactions. And you know, you and I we're just we're just big supporters of the New York Knicks. So again, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. And uh, tune in for episode number 14 that should be released next week and we'll probably give reactions on Dennis Smith Jr.'s game and DeAndre Jordan's games and just at that point the trade deadline will be done so we might be talking about another big move we didn't expect Przingis to be traded since last week but some other shit might go down uh, and that that's it for me man you got you got anything else you want to add? Um, I just hope we didn't like jinx anything or stir some shit up in terms of karma because I feel like that KP trade literally happened right after, like, we talked about in the last podcast about, oh, something big's about to happen. Yeah. You know, we'll see what what happens. And then fucking atomic bomb dropped on our heads. So yeah. I guess we'll see. But, yeah, otherwise, like, tune in, subscribe, whatever. Sponsors. Um, we still listening. looking for those. Yeah, I mean, help us get through this grief and <laughs> give us some money. Be appreciated. <laughs> Well, that was the Nickish Podcast, episode number 13. Uh, We'll see you guys for the next episode. Peace. Peace.